Talk the, the Thrones. Thrones. The Ringer's instant reaction show for all things Ice and Fire is back. Now as a pod. To cover the new Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. Every Sunday night, the Ringerverse, Chris Ryan, that's me. Joanna Robinson. And I, Mallory Rubin, will be breaking down the latest episode. Sharing our thoughts on all the schemes and plots. Uh, schemes and plots are the same thing. Dragons. And incest. Hey, it's a Game of Thrones show. So boot up your favorite podcast player and head to the Dragon Pit. Because fire and pods will rain. David? Yes? The Wall Street Journal's Joe Flint had a big scoop last week. NBC, or what's left of NBC, is thinking about abandoning the 10 p.m. hour of primetime. <laughs> so instead of NBC giving local affiliates three hours worth of shows, they're going to give them two hours worth of shows. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not sure I'm going to miss the show that NBC would be providing during that time slot because I don't <laughs> watch Dick Wolf shows about cops or firemen. Well, why do you have a television then? <laughs> but if this happens, kind of brings to an end, doesn't it? The historic sequence of things on network television. A couple of comedies couple more comedies maybe and then boom the hammer the yeah. dramatic series at 10 o'clock yeah i think you'd have to let me know what uh what shows we'd actually be saying goodbye to although it does seem like uh yeah i mean why not hang on to it they they rolled it back at one point for leno right didn't they didn't they get rid of didn't <laughs> they toss some of that hour in the can yeah they were still doing it though that was still the network now they're right. just going to say, run your Big Bang Theory reruns or mm -hmm. local news that lasts an hour and then is followed by another awkward 30 minutes of local news. It's all going to pass to the affiliates now. There's plenty of stuff you could be streaming elsewhere. I mean, that's a weird thing, right? It seems like it's sort of pushing people away from terrestrial television. Yeah, to the extent they haven't already gone running for the hills on their own. Mm -hmm. I think mostly this is a nostalgia thing. And it's funny to look back when we have things that we'll have to explain to our kids someday. But we'll have to explain to them that networks thought it was the right thing to do was to make you laugh for an hour and then make you laugh again. And then it was make you cry. Mm -hmm. So it was not just that we were getting a little more adult as the evening was going on and kids right. were going to bed. But it was they were putting your emotions in a certain sequence. You're going to laugh, you're going to cry, and then, you know, late night television comes on, you laugh again. Yeah, it's right. I, I Very rarely did you ever have one unified kind of ethos on a night of television on one channel, right? I mean, I guess there were the exceptions would have been the early days of Fox when they didn't have the 10 o'clock hour there either, right? Still I mean, don't. It, even during the heyday of uh, NBC's Thursday night lineup, it was always for four half-hour comedies and then ER rolling in for the hammer. Suddenly, Susan to ER. Right, well, <laughs> suddenly, Susan wasn't exactly one of the icons of that period, but sure. <laughs> I'm more of a Caroline in the City guy. With it. There, you, there you go. Is it Caroline in the City? Yeah. It was? She was, the, one, so. that was the She was the artist? Yeah. The other funny part about this story is the whole idea of affiliates. Now, in this age where if I want an HBO show, I go to my magic screen and mm -hmm. watch the show on HBO. But it used to be that you had affiliates 
that the network was giving the show to. That's how you watch television. Yeah, like franchises. Yeah. Yeah. You were watching NBC, but really you were watching Channel 5. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Channel Four, where you were, and then and the affiliate had a certain, you know, I think some of it was contractual, but occasionally they'd be like, "We don't want your show." Oh yeah, do you remember the NYPD Blue thing in Dallas Fort Worth when we were in high school? Oh, they refused to show it because it was so blue. It was too blue for the Metroplex. What did they show instead? It was a. I looked this up today. It was an hour long local newscast, <laughs> which sounds like what we're back to now. Well, that's the problem with this plan, though, right? Is like it's not like the local affiliates are going to be like, like here's some brilliant new programming strategy. They're just going to give you more of what they're already equipped to have, right? And at <laughs> least in the early days, when we were little, little kids, probably mostly before we were born, if there was ever a, a, a local affiliate that opted out of whatever the network sent them, it was probably because they had a better idea that had been working in the local audience, right? Our weird weekly like studio game show is still doing really well or the sport, the local sports thing that that's an institution here. You know, we, we, we trust you that some people in this country like Seinfeld, but we're going to go with what we got. It's been working for a long time. Right. But now there's nothing really left to put on. It feels like maybe they'll figure it out. There's reruns. I mean, I think that's where you go. If you're them, you buy cheap reruns and throw it up there. Yeah, but that sort of still begs the question, like why, like, wh- like why would NBC not be trying to produce just like some cheap sitcom that they could eventually have on their own? Just you, you know, they have they have all these Peacock originals out there. Like why why would they not be just putting those on TV? It's the same answer Sesame Street HBO save money. Yeah, I guess so. We want to save money. Do you remember that first illicit episode of NYPD Blue? First of all, totally unwatchable in 1993. For us in Dallas, Fort Worth, (laughs) there was not a way to go watch it unless somebody recorded it for you in New York and sent you a VHS tape. Right. And my mom and I were friends with a guy who worked at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, now a big author, Jeff Gwynn. And he invited us to attend a focus group at the newspaper that was going to sit around a table and watch the first episode of NYPD Blue. (laughs) You and your mom? Me and my mom. Did you have to watch it together? Like, you see, yes. we're side by side? Yes. Well, that and seems I to go against everything that NYPD Blue's about, but go ahead. Yeah, because I was 15. And again, we don't know much about this episode. Just know, ooh, it's, it's a little pushing the boundaries of network television. Mm-hmm. And we get there, and it's us and a whole bunch of adults. I think I was the lone child representative on this panel sitting around a conference table. And if I remember correctly, a television was wheeled in. <laughs> and we watched this episode of NYPD Blue, which featured some partial nudity, a lot of, you know, or some bare butts or something. I just remember sitting there being like, I'm so excited I'm getting to watch this. And I'm so disappointed I'm having to watch this with my mom and all these other <laughs> random adults. Oh, yeah. Talk about uncomfortable. Folks, that was network television in the 90s. Coming up on today's Uncensored Press Box. People who like to watch sports these days find themselves paying not only for cable, but for streaming services. Are we in sports watching heaven or sports watching hell? We have some weekend TV notes on Amazon's first Thursday night game since it got the exclusive rights. Plus, is the future of golf going to be happening on Monday nights? And will Tiger Woods be its showrunner? All that more on the Press Box, a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. 
Hello, media consumer Brian Curtis, David Shoemaker, producer Erica Cervantes here. Story that got my attention last week was a piece by Alex Kirshner in The Atlantic on the strange and somewhat annoying place that sports fans find themselves in these days. We're between the TV cable era of sports and the streaming era of sports. And we're paying for both of them at the same time. So, for example, if Notre Dame fans want to watch all the Irish games this year, they need NBC, mm-hmm. they need ABC, mm-hmm. they may need ESPN for a game against Navy in November, and they definitely need a subscription to Peacock to get a UNLV game on October 22nd. <laughs> Kirshner writes, the present is about paying more and more money to maintain what you had while being occasionally flummoxed about where to find it. Yeah. How do you feel about the, can I actually watch this game era of sports fandom? Well, we should stipulate that it's not an entirely new thing, right? I mean, we grew up, I mean, until it still exists in in an era where local games are sometimes throttled by the team. If there's not enough people who are in attendance at the game and across in various sports or certain what you would consider local broadcasts that don't play, they don't always play the team or, or maybe your favorite team isn't playing because the local broadcast is, is taking precedence on regular broadcast TV. Now there's always been ways around this, right? I mean, you could buy your Sunday ticket for the NFL. You could have your satellite dish, whatever, but there is sort of, this is, this does sort of kind of echo our conversation about HBO and Sesame Street and whatever else they're they're taking off the platform. And that there was a sort of expectation that these streaming platforms would allow us a sort of like, you know, universal satellite dish, right? That like one way or another, we'd be able to get everything we wanted if you just push the right button. And certainly, I guess you can here, but you just have to like pay for a bunch of different stuff. Get everything um, you wanted for a price that was way cheaper. Mm-hmm than the old cable era. That's what the promise was. Right. And I don't know if this promise was ever written down anywhere. It seemed (laughs) to be more like a cosmic promise to people. Mm -hmm. And as Kirshner points out, it's safe to say that that promise to the extent that it was ever made to anybody is not true. No, it's definitely not true. Um, And I think, well, I mean, I think for a long time, there's been the expectation that, that, well, I don't think that promise was ever meant, was ever intended to be kept. I'll say that. But I think, you know, intelligent people would say that that the future of, of streaming platforms looked something like, you know, th- th- there was all this expansion. Everybody has their own platform. And then I think a lot of people think at some point it's going to they're going to kind of be they're going to consolidate. Right. Uh, companies swallowing other companies or just general, um, you know, joining forces in the platform wars. And that if, instead of having 17 different things when you actually have to choose between these things and maybe you'll have, maybe there'll be like three to five big ones, you know, and a bunch of little ancillary things that you can choose. If you're, you know, a horror movie fan or a fan of black and white films, you could buy this other little attachment and it would end up being basically like cable again. (laughs) We will have reassembled the cable bundle. But, and that's not, that shouldn't be shocking based on the history of the modern history of the world. (laughs) Um, That, you know, the, the, the giant, monopolistic forces would regain power. Um, but weirdly, the thing that's standing in the way of even that now is sports, is the thing that we that a lot of people hoped that would be a problem that a lot of people had that they hoped would be solved in the streaming wars. Right now I can see whatever I want. I don't have to have Sunday ticket. I don't have to, or at least don't have to 
have you know specific service i don't have to go to the bar to watch it i don't have to i don't have to have a satellite dish i can have it just sort of brought to me on my ipad or my laptop or my tv whatever but the sports are just too valuable they're make they're gonna make it all impossible if there's ever an opportunity for this stuff to be manageable it's gonna it's gonna mean that some one of these major companies decides to leave money on the table Right. I mean, is it is it the only way that you're going to get all of the NFL games that you want is if is if, you know, somebody like Amazon just buys the rights to broadcast all of them and then says, you know, and maybe we don't have exclusive rights, but we have the rights to broadcast all of them alongside other people. But we're going to lower the price of the Amazon football package to two ninety nine a month just to swallow up all the audience or something. Right. I mean, that's like the, that's like the best way forward. And that's not even taking into account the next phase, which would be, you know, Amazon signing us all up and then uh, proceeding to take over the world by some nefarious means. Well, in that fantasy Amazon scenario, you know what would happen the first week? Somebody would say, okay, this is great about all these NFL games, but where's the college game that Mm -hmm. I want to watch on Amazon? Right. Oh, you don't, you mean you don't have the rights to every single college football game? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a second. You mean I have to order another service for that? And that and that's what's funny about this is from a certain point of view, this is the golden age of being able to watch sports. Mm-hmm. So much more that is buyable. And let's not discount the fact that you can watch it on the magic phone you are holding in your hand while lying in bed or yeah. running around or doing whatever you're doing. So like you know, if you go, if you just date this back 10, 20 years and you told me like this is the future, it's going to cost a lot of money. You'd be like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. This is so much easier for me to watch yeah. sports um, than it ever has been. But I wonder, and I wonder if what's happening is like on sports Twitter and you and I are these guys as well. So let's, let's lump us in. There are people on sports Twitter who are like, I want to watch all the sports. If there's a good game on today or a game that gets unexpectedly good, I want to watch that right now. Mm-hmm. And it turns out if you want to watch all the sports, everything, it is expensive. You have to have a cable package or something like a cable package. Yeah. Then you have to have these little sub packages and then you have to have peacocks. So you can get that one Notre Dame game. And then you got to have this and like that, that is, and it is clunky and expensive, but like, I think that's probably a smallish number of people that truly want <laughs> everything. And the, you know what? The reason they want everything is David, because we can get everything. now. That's right? it. Yeah. I mean, prior, prior to, to, you know, streaming television, we lived in a fairly like, I don't want to say low stakes consumer version of, of, of consumership, but like, there were a lot of times where I really wanted to watch a game and it wasn't on the way that I thought it would be on. Maybe it was mm-hmm. on on a channel like I didn't know it was on and I never ended up finding it. And you're just like flabbergasted for about five, 10 minutes. And then you say, uh, maybe I'll just watch this Friends rerun instead. And you're kind <laughs> of okay with that, right? Because you're not used to having everything that you could possibly have and you don't, have people on Twitter telling you what's happening in the game, you can kind of just forget that it exists, right? You can put it out, you can just put it aside. Um, that's not the case anymore. 
You know, not only will you be aware that people are watching it and you're not, you'll be there'll be a chorus of people screaming about how they're not watching it and it'll become, you know, and, and you'll, you can join that army. And yeah, I mean, you, you'll you, or you'll figure out how to get it. And you'll have to pay a bunch more money and hope that there's a, you know, free trial week or whatever. I mean, it's just going to be bonkers. I wonder if there's going to if there would ever be a, a version of it, of of streaming. Like a like you know, like a, like a book of the month club type thing where it's like, we take pieces of every publisher's list and we give it to you or like, you know, like Columbia house CDs or whatever, where it's like, if you listen, there's not going to be one multimedia broad, you know, corporation that's going to have the rights to all the NFL games. It's never going to happen. But David and Brian Inc., we will go negotiate for block fees for just the Thursday night football game from Amazon for just the, with all the games from around the world. Yeah. You have to, You'll have to download, you'll have to download the apps or whatever, but it only works for this window, or maybe we have a special window. And for slightly less than you would spend to buy all of these apps separately, we bring you just the football stuff. Yeah. Or how about it? Let's let's go full book of the month club and say we'll give you the big NFL games, a couple mm-hmm. big college games. We'll give you that UFC fight that mm-hmm. you're gonna regret not paying for when it has a crazy upset. We'll give you that golf tournament that Rory McIlroy comes back from six strokes to win. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. I got a nice little buffet here. It's true. As things that won't happen go, I love this idea. Well, there's also, I mean, this that's a great note to end this bit on, but like, <laughs> but also, I mean, what, the problem with streaming or the issue with streaming, and I'm sure what all of these big companies are, are weighing against is just, you know, they have a lot of competition with each other. They have a lot of, you know, d- demands for subscriber numbers from their shareholders and everything else, but they're still always fighting against piracy, right? And at some point, I mean, what, what they always have to guard against is if the easier option is watching it for free on some illicit website, there's still going to be a bunch of people doing that, right? I mean, at some point, you have to sort of balance against that. So. I mean, maybe at some point that'll come into play. Obviously, it's been less and less an issue because the ease of being able to push a button on your phone and having a show appear really, you know, really distorts that balance. Um, but I don't know. It is. It's really it's it's a it's a real pain. It's a real pain. And if you have like my extended family does like three different means of watching television in a, in streaming, you know, like three di- like between our house and my mom's house, we literally have three different streaming like network you know whatever like 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 the version of the old cable box but it's on the streaming box it just is so perplexing and there'll be shows that don't that aren't carried on some of them and there's channels that don't make it through and it's like you need a sherpa to guide to guide you to where the football game you need to watch is remember the one a couple years ago when oprah was interviewing harry and megan and everybody who thought who thought they were going to be able to watch it on paramount streaming service Mm-hmm. That was aligned with CBS, and then it wasn't on there because Oprah had the streaming rights. Right. <laughs> there were all these people like, I don't have CBS, which is the funniest thing you could ever say if you came of age in a certain time. Like, you don't have CBS? What? No, but it's crazy. Don't. One of the major over the top streamers is it Sling? It might be Sling. I'm going to get in trouble for this. I think, I think it's Sling. Doesn't have the network TV, at least not here in New Jersey. They're just like, we give you all the other channels. And if you want network TV here, we'll give you, here's a link to how you can like install an antenna on your TV. 
<laughs> Which is crazy because you used to you used to be able to do that, right? I mean, you used to be able to just turn on the TV and get four channels, but now it's not really. I don't. Are, are smart TVs made for that? I don't even know. I love the point you make about your friends on Twitter taunting you with sporting events that you're not watching. Yeah. Kirshner mentions an example of this in his Atlantic story. He talks about a game last year where Notre Dame was playing Toledo. And this spoke to me because I remember this game. Mm -hmm. This was not a game that most people who weren't Notre Dame or Toledo fans were interested in. Apologies to college football Twitter, which seems to want to watch every single game and be interested in everything. But let's just call mainstream sports fan was not super into this game. But then Toledo played really well and came really close to upsetting Notre Dame. So, of course, all those friends on Twitter start going, look at this upset alert. Toledo might beat Notre Dame. And I remember this moment because we went scrambling for it and it was on Peacock. It was like, uh oh, and I have a Peacock subscription now and I know I have a Peacock subscription now, but I didn't know if I had a Peacock subscription when this game was happening last year. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this crazy, crazy scramble. But again, we're in a pretty good period where it's Notre Dame and Toledo. We get interested in it only when Toledo has a chance to win. Mm -hmm. The barrier to entry at that point is $4.99. Yeah. According to Kirshner. And then we can push a button and watch it. Yeah. So again, annoying, certainly weird, it's sort of caught between two worlds. I totally get it. But also from a certain point of view, a pretty cool age when you can just do that. It is, unless you're watching it like, you know, in the passenger seat of a car and you can't download the app in question because you don't have Wi-Fi service or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of variables that go into, that, that come into this. And frankly, when you're talking about watching following a game on Twitter, yes, there is, like I said before, the annoyance of other people taunting you with it. But this kind of goes to what I was saying about pirating. It doesn't just have to be frontrowsports.eu or whatever when you're trying to watch your illicit thing. If, if you can get enough of it from people just posting clips on Twitter, and I know I say this with some trepidation because people, because that's what everybody's trying to, all these major sports leagues are fighting against, you know, people who are just having, you know, well-intentioned clips for, for review purposes on Twitter. But... If, it doesn't even matter if they're going to take it down eventually. If in the moment you can see that crazy touchdown, you can see the play that led to the play, you can see all that stuff. Well, then are you going to spend four ninety nine? dollars Totally. Totally. And especially when you, especially when there's, like, like you said, the, the, even a slight barrier for entry. There's not even a way to figure out what channels things are on anymore. I mean, I know I'm. this is a very old man yells at clouds thing because I still sometimes find myself like, going to the ESPN homepage to try to figure out what channel various sporting <laughs> events are on. What channel is this on? Yeah. But but it's not like, you know, you could just scroll through the three usual suspects like it would have been, you know, with with with, with uh, the NFL back in the day. Um, there's a lot of stuff, man, especially when it's the playoffs or something exciting, something interesting is happening or it's a sporting event you don't normally watch, you know. It's, it feels it feels really hopeless to go into Google and just be like, what channel is the Kentucky Derby on or, you know, whatever, just to try to figure out how to do that. I know that's very Web 1.0, but it still happens. And, you know, the way that all these smart TVs and smart whatever things are built now, you're just yelling into a void. You know, you can't just and you could just push the microphone button and say, turn on the NFL. But it's not thinking your computer's not thinking the same thing you're thinking all the time. So um, it's tough.
we can end here for fun. I went back to my freshman year at the university of Texas and looked into how I would have watched every Texas game that year. Had I not been going to most of the home games or all the home games. Sure. So there were 13 games, including the bowl game. This is how it broke down. Seven were on over the air television. Five were on cable ESPN and the old Fox sports networks. And one, a New Mexico state home game was on pay-per-view. <laughs> it costs $19.99 to watch Texas versus New Mexico state. Wait, home it, game meeting. It's at in, in Austin. It's in Austin. Uh-huh. But to watch this, you had to buy the pay-per-view, mm-hmm. which if you adjust for inflation is about $38 today. <laughs> so if you wanted to complete your Texas schedule, and again, there were no Twitter clips going up to give you all the Texas touchdowns in tidy form, 38 bucks. And you'll remember this, David, in those days, you probably were either making a phone call or actually going to the cable company to order that pay-per-view. Yeah. It was not a magic button to push at home on most televisions. Maybe there, maybe maybe I'm misremembering, but I don't remember a lot of magic button pushing going well, on. It wasn't too long after that. I think we, you could kind of affirmatively push a button on your remote control, but the phone number would have was still listed on the screen. I, you called for most of that stuff. I called from a place of needing to feel secure rather than just push the button. You could push the button, and what if nothing happened? Then do you, well, you know. <laughs> right? And the cable company might not answer when I wanted to hear a hu- starting. Yeah, I wanted to hear a human being say, "Yes, you got this." You know, David, you are confirmed for WrestleMania. I'm looking at By my the screen way, right here. I just want to say before we get out of here that what you made this point earlier, we are in between two eras, right? We should be firmly ensconced in the new era by now. We're not. I do feel confidently that in 10 years, all of this is going to look like just going to is going to seem sort of ridiculous, right? I mean, at, at a bare minimum, they will trick us by dint of some, you know, organizational system or search platform to make us think that we're at a much more streamlined place. It's going to um, seem it's going to seem like we're explaining very archaic technology. I just want to say for all the younger generation of people that we work with, I'm just happy that they get to live through this chaos because sometimes it feels like we're the only ones with just inexplicable consumer habits in our lives. Yeah, enjoy it kids. <laughs> anyway, check out Alex Kirshner's story, Sports Streaming Makes Losers of Us All in the Atlantic. Coming up, did Amazon get it across the goal line in its first NFL broadcast under the new Thursday night deal? But first, David, let us do the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees to at the press box pod where they are always gratefully received. This week's winner comes from listener Andrew Graining. Last week, the affidavit was released in the matter of the search for and seizure of documents at Donald Trump's home at Mar-a-Lago. Many people posted the pages of the affidavit that were almost completely blocked out. Always a good visual gag. Uh Uh-huh, I love it, I love it. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write, me when my editor asked me to elaborate on a pitch. We would have also (laughs) accepted when my editor asked for a story draft. (laughs) You're thinking like a journalist who is very, very close to a draft. Congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. All right. In the notebook dump. Let me tell you, David, when the whole 
streaming sports frustration thing will come to a boil. When the chickens will come home to roost. Mm-hmm. It's going to be September 15th, 2022. There's going to be a Thursday night football game. Oh. It's Chargers Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good game. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be airing on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people, including people I am related to and very close to, who are going to be texting me that night going, where can I see the football game? Because they are not going to understand where to find it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, Amazon gave its new Thursday night game a test drive last week with a 49ers Texans preseason game. There was some amazing narration before the game started, including this proclamation. The evolution of this historic game continues right now <laughs> with the 49ers and the Texans. Wow. Seems like a lot to put on a 49ers Texans preseason game. It was a little strange to see Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet sitting next to each other. I know, yeah. Not only for the like the network split screen, like we didn't understand how these people would ever work together, but also mm-hmm. the pro football, college football. Yeah. Which is a firmer divide than you would think. Yeah, it feels like a sports, like a like a like a, a movie like basketball or something, where it's like just they they just hire two well known sports personalities <laughs> to stand next to each other and it's not really like who's worked in a booth together. It to- it's totally odd. There was no Collinsworth slide for students of television history. Mm-hmm. We just got a static shot and Herbie was sitting next to Al Michaels. Collinsworth said on this podcast that he would not mind. It was not intellectual property of NBC. <laughs> yeah. And also said the reason for this is that Al begins broadcasts alone, which I knew, but I'd sort of forgotten. Like he's on, mm-hmm. this is Al Michaels, da, da, da. And then you bring in the mm-hmm. analyst. But they just sort of did a two shot. I tell you when this became real for me, not a streaming product, not a interesting marriage of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. It's when they went to the shot of downtown Houston (laughs) and you heard that Al Michaels voice go downtown Houston on this last Thursday in August. I was like, oh man, that sounds like football. Yeah. Why is the nighttime downtown shot such a romantic image to see before a football game? I don't know. That's a, if they, they, they need, they got to have something. They need filler downtown, wherever you are is, is about as emblematic of of most towns as you can get. It wouldn't be as romantic though, if it was daytime downtown Houston. Well, no, (laughs) yeah, no, no, the downtown. No offense to our friends in Houston. (laughs) Not because Houston in the daytime is particularly unattractive. I, I just don't think a daytime downtown shot is as exciting. It doesn't have they that just you do are a, there feel. They should just do like a 45-minute slow pan all the, over all of the Houston exurbs, right? <laughs> do you really want to get an idea of what Houston's like? Look, there's a leaf. There's Flower Mount. Is the Flower Mount part of Houston? I don't know. I think, I think, that, I think that's up where, we, where we're from, not, uh, not uh, Houston. The... Um, that should be the alternate telecast, I think. <laughs> Alan Herbie doing the game, but the shot that's like a drone shot of the Houston suburbs. A <laughs> um, couple of things that were interesting. Did you notice the little Amazon arrow next uh-huh. to the down and distance that was on the field? Yeah, that was. I saw. I, yeah, I saw that. It was nice. Nice touch. I'm, I'm not in favor of product placement, but man, that was some slick product placement because mm-hmm. it wasn't annoying. 
Uh, the broadcast just looked amazing. No surprise given Freddie Gadelli, who's a producer, is the guy who produced Sunday Night Football for mm-hmm. its entire run. It looked awesome. There was no moment where you thought, I'm watching something in a weird way. Yeah. Or something that is different than football, pro football that I'm used to. This is very much the Fox 94 playbook. It's like, you know what the game should look like? A football game that you're familiar with. Yeah, where we should that's, be why the, that's why the evolution pre-game. of the sport thing is so strange, though, right? Because like it seems like their goal, their, their, their implicit or explicit goal, and I think I agree with it, is to make people feel like this is as unweird as possible. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Look, I think their idea is we don't want anybody watching this. Let's say, let's say my, my relatives figure out how to turn on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. We don't want a person like that who does not watch a ton of stuff in streaming to look at this and be like, I don't recognize what this is. Mm-hmm. To be like, this just looks like the football game on my TV. And right. by the way, a very high-end version of the football games on my TV. Sunday mm-hmm. night football level football game on my TV. If we're going to be different, it's going to be in the pregame, just like mm-hmm. Fox was way back when, and in the alternate streams where we can give you dude perfect doing the game. And all these apparent alt stream options to be named later that we'll see later in the year. Sure. For like four weeks or six weeks, whatever they decide, we'll give you that. And that will be what is Amazon-y about this. Okay. What? So did your uncles figure out how to watch this thing? <laughs> see, I was saying relatives. And I think you just went right to uncles. Well, there. no, I mean, two people who'd be committed to watching. They did not text me. So I'm going to get, I'm going to say that's a no on that one. <laughs> Uh, in their defense, Amazon signed a deal with DirecTV to provide this in bars. Oh, a lot I was going to ask. Bars aren't wired for this stuff for streaming. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you can go, you will be able to go to a bar and watch Thursday Night Football on television. Wait, what bars aren't wired for streaming? You'd think that would be something that would have happened by now, but it said in the stories about it, it said Buffalo Wild Wings was not wired for streaming. Like you could, you could definitely go like like laptop to TV, but I guess you can't go on all the TVs. Maybe if it's not networked in some way. Yeah, and you're talking about wiring a lot of locations for chains yeah, like that. Sure. Which you know, with places you with buildings you may not own, all those kinds of things, Wi-Fi you may be getting from you know a, a landlord, something like that. So that's that's interesting. But so they will be able to go to their favorite uh, watering hole and watch the game. Because Amazon subcontracted it out to direct this, TV. Yeah, because if you're Amazon, like your first year thing is like, well, number one, produce a great game. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Number two, figure out how to get people to watch it. Well, yeah, I wonder if it's going to be, you know, there, there's talk, there was talk this year in the past couple of months about Netflix finally cracking down on people sharing passwords and stuff like that. I don't know if what the talk is from other platforms but one would imagine there'd be some logic for Amazon being very liberal about it, right? For the first season, right? Just get, <laughs> you want to, O'Brien's oh, going to share his, his Amazon password with all of his family and, and, and you know, who, who might be difficult to hook up, who might be difficult to acquire his customers on their own. Well, that's okay for now. And then we'll crack down later on once they're used to it. Once they already have the app downloaded, once they've already got the interface figured out. We'll take anybody we can get in year one. Mm-hmm. You can be in a bar, you can have stolen a password, you can have a shared password, any anything you want. We want mm-hmm. you to watch. And and it 
it doesn't again we you know we sit here as like guy who wants to watch all the games and is streaming everything and can't wait to watch the end of Toledo Notre Dame there are a lot of people this is going to be a big mountain to climb in the world yeah. and the reason it is is because the audience for the NFL is everybody everybody young old and everything mhm i mean this is the last gigantic regular audience in television yeah and getting them to watch this is going to be such an interesting experiment. The pregame halftime stuff was interesting because we got a whole totally new crew. Carissa Thompson was a host. Tony Gonzalez, who's kind of pregame show guy, was on there. He's familiar from other jobs. But Richard Sherman was also on there, late of the Seahawks 49ers, and I guess Bucks last year. He was really good. He's been a guy that a lot of people said, like, he's going to be a great broadcaster. Mm-hmm. When he finishes playing football. And you know what was also good was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah? Who had this magnificent beard. Of course, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Spencer Hall have brought the magnificent beard back to television or streaming in this case. And he did a thing at halftime. You know how they always do those like highlight packages at halftime and it's the worst highlight package ever and it's just generic former quarterback talking over the highlights. He did one of 49ers quarterback Trey Lance that was showing why Trey Lance could not make the throws he needed to make and offered a pretty good and haunting preview of Trey Lance 2022 as the 49ers starter. Mm -hmm. And it was not mean. It was very, but it was critical and it was smart and it was tight and short. And I was like, wow, I can't remember the last time I accidentally watched a halftime show and got something out of it. So well done, Ryan Fitzpatrick. All right, Dave, before we go, we got to talk about the future of golf. (laughs) All right. We know that the PGA Tour is trying to beat back a challenge from the Saudi back to live tour. And we know a subtext of that whole PGA live war is how do we make golf more entertaining? Well, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have an idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I got to admit, it sounds a little like the future of golf is holy moly. This is from Jason Gay, our pal in the Wall Street Journal. Woods and McElroy announced their intention to launch a primetime two-hour brand of golf to be played Monday nights, starting in 2024 in a custom-built venue. It'll be part big tech, Gay writes. Woods and McElroy will hit their drives using virtual reality. Then they'll play a short game on a surface installed on the stadium floor. There was a hype video released last week that showed cheering fans inside an American Gladiators style arena. It's also going to be two hours long instead of the Sunday version of golf, which is forever hours long. Mm -hmm. Would you watch Tiger and Rory in Monday night golf? Man. Um, it's a good question. Uh, my first instinct is to say, can we really call it golf? I know it's golf, but it's not golf golf, right? Agreed. I'm trying to think of something that would be a little bit more meaningful to me. Like if they had the big three in basketball, but it was the best players in the NBA and the NBA like co-signed it and they ran it during the summer. A Monday night skills competition or something like where they're just like just like two on two or three on three basketball where it was just like you pick your team. It's like five, the five teams, the best players in the league. All right. After that injury the other day, we're going to cancel five on five pickup basketball. (laughs) 
Yeah. But what no, about no, I mean, like, it would never what about like I... LeBron and somebody playing mic'd up horse on Monday nights? Um, I think you would watch it, but I still think like the, the, the traditional, the traditional championship trophies, celebrations, whatever, are just so ingrained into us. Right. I mean, it, like, what are we watching for? Entertainment. I guess if you, like if you could really have an entertaining product, but are the, but are the, I mean, they, they didn't, I don't think they cast holy moly for just strictly skill, right? They always find people who are going to be like telegenic and silly and ridiculous, you know, just like good subjects to watch. It's reality TV casting. I mean, are the are the people who are the best at being entertaining at playing horse necessarily the best basketball players? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I so let's say the draw of Monday Night Golf is you like your you like Tiger Woods. Or you're really interested mm-hmm. in Tiger Woods. Ditto Rory. Mm-hmm. You want to hear them in a you want to see them in a casual setting where they are making jokes, having fun, and also demonstrating sure. their golf skills, even if it's in a simulator or whatever. Like they're making like, oh my God, he's going to try to hit this 40-foot putt. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to play a putt-putt course with a windmill. I have no idea what this is going to be. It's all a little vague. But you can imagine the basketball version of that. Yeah. Like LeBron, you know, Steph Curry's going to challenge. Steph Curry's going to get five half-court shots. And he's going to have 20 NBA players challenge him. And all their accumulated half-court shots, they're going to see if they can hit as many as Steph Curry hits by himself. Okay. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. I, I can imagine watching that. Uh, I just feel like there's so much momentum built into the established sports that that's what... I mean, we just talked about it with, with, with the NFL and Amazon. They want to make it feel like the same thing, right? I mean, and the part of that is the power of momentum, the power of stability, even on another platform, you know? And I think that we would all get together and watch that one time. Mm -hmm. But I have a hard time imagining that there'd be just this sort of like, this sort of insistence upon it by episode three. Would we all be live tweeting Rory and Tiger's (laughs) holy moly on episode three? I don't know. They'd have to find some way to be pretty like event, I mean, pretty like exciting, you know? Like uh, for, for, I think for that to, 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 if for that to win out i don't know maybe maybe i mean it just seems like if it wins then that's then that's the future of golf like you said it's the future of golf but like that that takes over takes over for the pga right and what is the pga well yeah i don't i don't think we want holy moly whatever this is replacing the pga but i guess i guess they see it as like something fun for our pros to do and it's a gateway into the pga yeah so it's always going to be a big lift to try to get somebody to watch five hours of golf on a Sunday golf doesn't have big audiences. It has small audiences that well, buy Buicks. So are we going to get younger kids in here to watch this? And then they're like, Oh, well, then maybe that's, up, maybe the answer Sunday is golf. that that's more like their need for speed, right? Or their hard knocks, you know, you get some like okay. a human element in there. You get to introduce people to the, to the players and hopefully some of the sport. Which Netflix um, is doing? We should add they are. No, doing. I know, I know, but but that but, but to, to provide an entry point. Well, that's that's I guess that's that's I don't know. It feels a little bit more manageable. I think you're exactly right. I would watch this once, kind of like the match that Turner did. You know, when they have Tom Brady once a year and if you told Tom Brady, if you told me that the match was an ongoing show that there's that there's been twelve episodes of, I would believe you because I wouldn't be shocked to know that I'd never heard <laughs> that I heard about it one time and it just fell off the radar. Point being, you wouldn't watch the match every week. But right. if I told you like, oh, there's Charles Barkley and Tom Brady and you know, I mean, stakes Tiger Roy, yeah. If, Charles, if 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 Brady can like 
gamble away the starting quarterback job for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now I'm interested in this golf game, right? What if I tell you this with golf? We bring in famous non-golfer golfers. So Charles Barkley is going to try to hit the 40-foot putt. That's great. Or Obama is going to try to hit the 40-foot putt. Or bring in the, like, the, 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 the happy Gilmores of the world and let them try to win their way under the PGA Ooh. just by some, by some ridiculous obstacle course format. Like they, they don't, uh, rather than doing it the right way, let's do it in prime time with really high stakes. And then suddenly, you know, if things get real, Rory McIlroy has to decide whether or not he's going to just cut this guy's head off or just sort of laugh along <laughs> as he makes his way onto the tour. And potentially beats Rory at the real, in the real tour event next week. Yeah. See this, I like. Yeah, that's it. this is like all you TV need to do: producer. take average Joes <laughs> and put them in a position <laughs> to make the Philadelphia Eagles. You got money, you know. David has just turned this into a Fox reality show. Uh, I'm available for all consulting jobs. Just give me a call. It's <laughs> watching the Tour Championship this weekend on Sunday. Great tournament turned out to be really exciting. But mm-hmm. early in the day, they went to the captain of industry interview portion of a golf telecast in this case with the president and ceo the outgoing and president and ceo of fedex Mm -hmm. because this is the fedex cup and just interviewed him about his career on television Mm -hmm. i'm watching this and i'm thinking if you want to just a cheap fix to make golf tournaments on tv more exciting get rid of this (laughs) this stinks who is this for other than the person being interviewed yeah. There's just nothing here, man. There's just nothing like bland pronouncements about his career and oh, golf in the community and whatever. It's like this stinks. As TV, this just absolutely stinks. This has been going on in golf for as long as I can remember. Let's get rid of it. Wait, sorry, folks. We got a challenge from the Live Tour. We don't have time to interview the corporate CEO about what he thinks about the sponsored golf tournament. <laughs> We're all good. Diver David Shoemaker guesses the strained pun headline. Yeah. Last week's headline about Elvis Andrews leaving the Oakland A's was Elvis has left the Coliseum. Because the A's stink, listener Jeff Hoffman says the headline should have been Elvis has left the rebuilding. Yeah, that's better. That's way That's better. a great headline. Aren't you impressed at how often really, really Box listeners are mm-hmm. better than the headline pros? Mm-hmm. Much less better than us. Today's headline, David, comes from Brooks DuBose. It's from the Capital Gazette in Annapolis, Maryland. I'll read you the subheadline here. Demolition begins on Maryland Legislative Services Building in Annapolis. New facility expected by 2024. You don't need to know any of those details. Can you give me a punny and kind of generic, they're tearing down a building headline? What was the Capital Gazette's strained pun headline? There, wait, I don't need to know any details. I just, it's nah. just like uh, the, uh, the uh, t- tumbling down, uh, falling down uh, um, end of the, Foundation, something about the foundation. Um, What's it crumbling? Called? What's it called when we tear down a building? What uh, special word might you use? Raise, mm-hmm. raising expectations, raising, mm-hmm. raising the bar, raising, raising. Um, 
uh, I, I, I want a raise. Your work. I, I deserve your... a raise. Yeah. So I, I give getting me a raise. A raise. Getting, no, a getting a raise. Getting a raise. All right. That's pretty good. Getting a raise. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. I'm back later this week with an interview. And then David and I are back on Tuesday, Monday, Labor Day. You and I are going to be off. But we're back Tuesday to get you set up for NFL season and with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.